Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Oh, oh, it's magic. The gathering. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Baby, believe it not so. Dun, 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 it's magic. Dun, you know. That's it. Hey, guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Command Zone, episode 120, We Believe. My name is Jimmy Wong. We believe. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, we should maybe tell people that we are uh, recording three episodes in a row today. Wait, I thought I brought change of shirts so we could oh, trick Oh, crap. Uh, wait one sec. Imagine we're still recording Josh. Bam. Uh, so, if you... Oh, no, I'm failing. Oh, yes. Card Kingdom, our sponsor. <laughs> our wonderful sponsor, CardKingdom.com. Jimmy, not taking shirt off over there. Um, what? It's me, a new version of me on a new day, recording a new podcast. <laughs> it's a totally different day. You were saying something about Card Kingdom. What is Card Kingdom? Card Kingdom is the best place to buy all of your magic cards and other magic accessories. Um, you should definitely be ordering or buying Conspiracy 2 product right now. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this on the last episode as well. Conspiracy 2 is here. Burgeoning is in the set at this Holy point. Crap. We don't know the full set yet because we're recording this a little early, but there are going to be a lot of cards in here. I, I just can feel it in my bones. The last set was awesome. I'm assuming this one's going to be mm -hmm. to draft also, not just to crack, but, you know, obviously cracking stuff packs yeah. is fun. Don't tell Marshall I said that. <laughs> Use the affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command zone, and then let them know we sent you. Yep. The site is awesome. They All of their product is graded super with, I don't know, the benefit of the doubt. Like, if it says near mint, that card is in pristine condition. There's not a nick on that thing. If it says very close to near mint, it's still in pristine condition. And there's, like, a tiny, like, thing somewhere on it. But, yeah, Card Kingdom is great. They take really good care of their customers and their cards and their product. They always ship it in great shipping. Uh, like, the, the, the envelopes are padded. It has a Card Kingdom logo on top of it. It gets to you really quickly. I'm a big fan of the service. They're awesome. Again, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. All right, we're going to be doing another... Q&A episode. So you're going to hear people asking questions. If you hear yourself, your own voice your on voice. this episode, that means that you have won three packs of Eldritch Moon, or it could be Conspiracy 2. It's probably Conspiracy 2. I'm going to say Conspiracy 2. What do you think? Sure. If you hear your voice, you won three packs of Conspiracy 2. 
Congratulations. And now, thank you guys for sending in questions. We asked for these a few weeks back. Yes. Uh, so send your mailing address to commandcast at rocketjump.com so that we can send out your free packs. Yeah, very exciting. Everyone's getting a draft set. Uh, oh. By draft set, I mean three packs. Yeah. We should also say these packs are sent by us. Actually, they're, right. sent, by, they're sent by Jimmy. I don't send them. Jimmy sends them. Uh, not Card Kingdom, which is probably why they're going to take a little bit longer to get to you. Like if it was Card Kingdom, yep. you'd get them like in three days or oh, two yeah. days or one day. They it, would be there right now at the time of this recording. <laughs> but because it's us, um, it'll take a little bit longer because Jimmy's going to wait till we hear from everybody and then send all the packs out all at once. Also, there's a statute of limitations on the prizes. We're going to start doing this because when we hear somebody like from somebody who won stuff months before, it makes it really tough. So by October 1st, send us your mailing address and you'll win the packs. If you send after that, Sorry, you'll have to enter the next contest and try to be faster. Yep. It's also easier because I ship them all out bulk uh, at the same time. Uh, so I do a giant batch order. So it makes it much faster and easier for me to do it. Do it, it all so, once. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, sweet. We got a lot of listener questions. Uh, we asked on Twitter for these questions. We'll do this again in the future. I love hearing our listeners' voices. I think it's a really cool way for also like people to get featured on the show. Like, woo! And you win, of course, for yourself. And you get stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we had some great questions last time. My favorite, I think, was what's your favorite, what was your historical group of people that you would want to play with? I'm really sad that I can never actually fulfill that dream. Yeah, I know, me too. But I loved, again, hearing from you guys, uh, the listeners, what your favorite historical people to play with would be as well. It was really inspiring, actually, to see all that stuff. Actually, that's a good trend. If you hear a question and you have an answer... Go ahead and tweet it at us or leave it in the comment section. We love hearing your answers to these same questions. Mm -hmm. And we love it, too, when you guys get in discussions with each other. Uh, oh, yeah. That's really fun to, to, yeah. to watch. So get the whole community involved. A lot of fun. All right. Let's start it off with number question number one. This is Jesse Durant. Political question for you. I often find I'm in the situation where one of my opponents has me dead on board, even though I'm going to lose. I can block a few of their creatures and reduce their board state, or I can not block and let the rest of the table deal with it. I can never decide. What do you normally do? Destroy them as much as you can. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on this one. Yeah. See, I think the thing is, if you think about just that game, then it is a conundrum. But if mm -hmm. you think about all of the games you're going to play, that means the future games, then it's no decision at all. You right. want to inflict punishment because you don't want to set the precedent that eh, if you attack me and you're going to kill me sometimes... That, do, that doesn't you just, cost you anything. Yeah, you get a free win, sure. Or a free victory against me. You yeah. can knock me out of that. Well, okay, sure, I, I'll With just no scoop. repercussions. Yeah. But I want to set the precedent that, like, hey, if you come after me, even if you take me out, I am going to do as much damage to you as possible. So sometimes yeah. you're going to look at two players and be like, well, I'm not going to... I might be able to take Josh out, but he's going to damage me so much that I now can't win that game, so I have to look for a better spot to do it, which right. might give me more turns to sort of come back when I'm behind in the future. Yeah, and the nice thing is, too, a lot of people complain. They're like, oh, I, can, I didn't get to play my deck. Well, this gives you one last shot at letting your deck do what it does best before you get knocked out. So, like, hey, put, put your dukes up. See what can happen. See what can happen. I really like setting a precedent, though, because it's true. In another game, someone's going to be like, hmm, he's got all that open mana, but he is the biggest threat at the same time. Maybe it's a big enough threat that I can get other people to take that person out instead. Yep. Can I take the counterpunch? Maybe I can, but how weak does that leave me? Yeah. Do I want 
to do, do that. Do you want to take the counterpunch? Yeah. The answer is often probably not. I've if- definitely been in a lot of games where I've thought, I can take this player out. But the problem is that the amount of resources I'm going to have to expend to do it, counting my life total, mm-hmm. the amount of creatures or board presence I'm going to have to give up, actually isn't advantageous to me at the moment because I'm still going to have to deal with the other two players after yeah. that's over, and I'm going to be so weakened I can't. Now, there are some arguments to be made to just not doing anything. If there's something like, oh, they're, I don't. I really don't want this person to win, or we're playing secret partners, and my partner's still in the game, and if I kill this person or if I do enough here, I'm going to force them to use... Nev's disc or right, something right. else to, to wipe everything else out. And I actually know that, hey, I don't want the person that's killing me to win, but I know someone else can beat them if I don't trigger whatever it is that they can they can do as a result of me trying to you know combat them here. In general, though, get them as much as you can, yeah. even if you're going down. I like that, too. It, it, for me, it's like a mini game. You're like, you know, you're go- you know the ship's sinking. What but- can I do? How many can I take some of your lands, some of your creatures? Yeah. Can I do something just to make it so that, you know, I didn't go down without a fight? Yeah. You're the even numbers this time. Okay, okay. Number two, question number two, the number two dose, comes from Nick. What bend to the rules of the color pie would you like to see to help you create your dream deck? Um, Card drawn white? Yeah, that would be nice. Um, I would love it if every deck could just play Ristic Study, if they just reprinted that as... <laughs> well, they got Mind's Eye. It's way more expensive and not as five good. Five mana, and you are the one paying one. The problem is, if you do that, the blue decks just get another awesome... They have two Ristic Studies now. Right, but if it just is Ristic Study can now be played in every deck, then they only still have one. I really just think it's red-white that needs Ristic Study. So th- yeah. could they make a... I think it's particularly white. They call it the Boros Study. Of war. Study of, study of war. Uh, there it's called the art of war. One red, white. Every time an opponent plays a creature spell with power two or less, you may draw a... It's not that great. There might be eh. some games where that never gets triggered. It's better than wrist... I mean, it's not better than wrist State. It's better than nothing. I also think they need they mean mana ramp. Yeah. So I would bend the hybrid mana rule. Oh, interesting. Because I think... I don't know. I mean, like, this could totally change once four-color commanders come out, but it'd be nice to be able to play some of the hybrid mana commanders. In just one color? Yeah. Like, Tassiger would be awesome. Actually, wouldn't be that good. But It doesn't change... Well, you could play Tassiger in other decks, but the Tassiger deck itself doesn't change, because right now, if you want to play Tassiger and only play two of those colors, you can. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm trying to think of now, like, when... I don't know. It's tough to answer this question without just breaking the format. I just think white needs some form of ramp and card draw, and red, red card draw has really come along in the last couple of years. They've, mm-hmm. they've added more outpost siege and, and that style of like yeah. exile a card at the beginning of your upkeep. You may play it until end of turn. Yeah. That's a good red style card draw. Or, white, white doesn't really have that. Mm-hmm. And they need whatever their style is. And maybe it's tied to the size of creatures coming out, like Mentor for the Meek. Or maybe there's, they just need to find that mechanic or that way that white can draw cards because they're at a super big disadvantage. And then yeah. ra- at least with ramp, you can just run all the normal, the usual suspects. I'm going to design it now. White's card draw ability is called uh, behind the ranks okay? because they're like getting ready for war. Okay. But, yeah, it's, yeah. but it's behind the scenes. Okay. So it's definitely drawing cards, but it's doing it in a white way. So maybe it has to do something with... The idea of preparation, the idea of being in front, uh, being ahead of what your opponents are doing, but not specifically draw a card because that's not what white does. It needs to have something else trigger it. So, I, mentor of the meek is the mo- the closest I can think to. But it doesn't even work in all the white decks. It's so specific. Like if you don't have a yeah. bunch of little creatures, not that. I mean, it's it's okay. Every time you exile a creature, 
Nah, it's awful. What Every- about like how about um some car well, let's say it was an artifact and it costs like th- three to put out and it said whenever your opponent draws a card for their turn, if it's not the first card, okay, you can pay one. Right, and, and that, you would call that like battle preparation or something. Yeah, something, or it's like matching plan, battle plans or, you know, yeah, something like that. I'll dig it. So like you can match them, you know, or right. s- something like that. So it's not your own volition, but it's dependent on what other people are doing. Yeah, kind of. But if they get to draw a second card, then you get to draw a second card if, as long as you pay like one or two mana or something like that. Yeah. Good question. I don't know. Thanks, Nick. Good question. Uh, I'm excited to see four color commanders because I think... Oh, by the way, Josh's dream decks are built by just going all five colors. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like Break you... the color pie by creating a land that taps for all five mana but doesn't do damage to you. Like a, like a tri-land. But, it's uh... called Command Tower, actually. Oh, they did that. You're yeah, right. Yeah, they did that. Oh, they already broke the color pie. There you go. <laughs> go figure. Okay. Question number three is from Quinton Nottage. How's it? I wanted to know, because it definitely has affected me, how much magic has affected your life, or particularly Commander, because Commander has been a very big outlet for fun and expression for me. So I was wondering, for you two guys, how has Commander affected your life personally? It's, oh man, magic, I think, we've talked about this before. It's one of the great things about games, and it's not unique to magic, but magic's a big game in our life, so... It's made me a better decision maker. It's made me be more just, I don't know, it's made me use my brain more in emotional situations, help me diffuse things, help me sort of like analyze, like, what can I learn from this experience as opposed to, I'm angry, huh, and like pout about it or whatever, really you know. Good point. Or how to, um, how to sort of stay calm in pressure situations can be a Ooh, thing too yeah, because yeah. you're in tournaments and you need to sort of not let the nerves get to you. That's mm-hmm. a big thing. Um, yeah, this is a type of question that we just love because to me, that's what games are sort of for, right? Yeah. Like stories and fairy tales are very often supposed to teach lessons and games are very similar where you, you should be able to draw analogs and learn lessons from games. So mm-hmm. for me, magic, yeah. Um, camaraderie. Also, we were talking about this the other night. Organizing. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing in my life. Like I really learned it Budgeting. from... Yeah, I really learned it from... Um, from production from film production but it's it's worked with organizing like just your play group to get together because especially commander you can't just do it with only two people you need a larger group yeah and so you have to like be in contact with people you have to find out like okay what time where you know how many people are coming we Mm -hmm. need this specific amount if you want we did an event where we all went to vegas there was eight of us and so we had to coordinate like everybody flying in when where's everybody staying who's staying in what rooms who's getting the product who's getting the you know a table set up in the room and all this stuff and like that is really good life skills because in life there's going to be other things where you need to organize people and you need to rally people and you need to like get things done and so that you wouldn't even think is something about magic but it totally yeah. is um there's a really good lesson in life yeah i I like how magic challenges me in general because it makes me to have more fun. I need to be better at the game in my personal life. That's sort of how I treat stuff. Um, and as a result, I just, you know, it's, it's made me transfer that mentality and realize like, Oh, I don't need to just apply this to games. I should apply it to other parts of my career. Like when I'm doing this thing, instead of just settling for like, nah, it's good enough. Uh, I found myself often pushing myself more to like, well, spend, you know, another 30 minutes, another hour on it, and you can make it significantly better through your own volition and your own hard work. Yeah, you've learned how to push yourself, how to like scrape away the deficiency and find mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever told this story on 
the cast, but one of the big sort of formative life things in my entire life was in high school, we used to play this game called Vampire the Masquerade, and it was a, oh, yeah. it was a live-action role-playing game. And to this day, it's probably the single like biggest, I don't know, life lessons I ever learned were in that game because mm. I was playing a character in a situation, but it wasn't... I could do things that in real life you couldn't do. I could try mm. things. I could be like, well, what if I act this way? How will people react? Oh, that's what really if I interesting. Act, like this character's mean, and how do people react when I'm a mean person? And this character's shy, and how do people react when... You know, and I was playing different characters and really experimenting socially. And to this day, like all the time, I use the lessons learned from that because, yeah, everybody else was playing too, but you get real reactions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know? And so that's just like a great thing like maybe the big lesson is just to learn lesson from games and mm -hmm. apply it to your life like whatever it is that's really where games shine they can teach you so much about other aspects of your life yeah i would uh challenge you guys and everyone out there all you guys and gals to think about magic in this way and see if it has changed your life in other ways or if the way that you live your life in informs how you play magic and stuff because it's a very interesting thing to think about and sort of to delve into all right. Our next question. Andy Gemitter. I run a Noyandar the Royal Shaper deck, and I've recently been thinking about adding green to the deck for more lands. I know you've talked a lot about going up to five colors for certain decks, but what about going up to three colors when you're working with a two-color commander? This is a great question. We get asked this a lot because I think we have this sort of unique thing on the show, which is the idea of sort of five-colorizing a commander. Well, not upgrading yeah. necessarily, but just adding more. It's almost like the hidden commander. Or yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing I would say is, and I don't know if Noyandar falls into this category, but you generally can only do this in two cases. One is where the effect the commander is giving you is an effect that's replicated multiple times with other cards. Mm -hmm. And some of those cards are outside of the color pair that the commander is. So it's sort of giving you the ability to, like, your commander can really be any one of five or six cards in your deck because five or six cards in your deck sort of replicate that effect. So the the example is Nekusar. Yep. Um, Underworld Dreams, and uh, I'm not even going to go through them all, but there's a whole bunch of cards that sort of tax everybody for drawing cards. So Nekusar doesn't have to be the commander because any of those cards will do that job. Yeah, you're playing a deck that punishes you for doing this thing, and Nekusar is one of the many cards that does it because it was based, the card was based on that idea from the very beginning it's basically underworld dreams and howling mind just stapled together yeah um and the other one is when you have a commander and then you have an, another legendary creature that works very well in combination but the the other legendary cre creature that's in combo is um more colors so you can take mm -hmm. the colors of the one part of the combo rather than the other and that just doesn't mean infinite combo it's like child of Lara with marchesa yeah that is a combination where, like, if you can ever get Marchesa, Chala Alara, and then a 1-1 counter machine out, you can just wrath the board every turn, and your stuff comes back. So in that case, you have to run Chala Alara as your commander because Marchesa can't have Chala Alara in the deck, right? Because one's five color and one's not. So Noyandar yeah. is an interesting one. I, I, I think... So... I guess I should rewind. The idea of sort of adding colors to your commander and hiding it within your deck, it won't work with every commander or it'll be tougher. Yeah, it's interesting because Noyandar's ability is very unique to the set that he's from, which is essentially awakening a land and putting plus and plus encounters on it. Um, now, there are, you know, your lands matter decks 
can kind of be the same deck, but this deck you would have to stray away from the idea that like now you're you build a Noyan Dar deck, you're shaping it around haha, a lot of instants and sorceries. If you were to make it into a three color deck, you would go very far away from that and just have a lands matter kind of deck with like Titania and I wonder though, because a lot of your cultivates Mm-hmm. And those type of effects are instants and sorceries. Yeah, I mean, they're awesome for Annoying Dark deck. You do have a lot of creature tutors as well, but you are significantly adding a sort of a burden to your deck to always have to Green Sun Zenith or whatever for a specific card to have it really operate the way you want it to. Yeah, and I think that's the key issue, right? Is, if, is how does that deck work if Annoying Dark is not out? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is it doesn't, then that's kind of bad. And now, if you can find a commander that's in the Bant colors because you're adding green, is what uh, is what Andy wanted to yeah. do. Um, you need to find a commander that still does good stuff with Noyandar not out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, green's a good color to add because in general, it's the color that can most easily find a creature. So you can yeah. fi- go find Noyandar. And green also has Rift Sweeper. So that's another really important part because if somebody exiles your Noyandar and it's not your commander, it's just gone forever. Um, sweep it back in. Yeah, you can Rift Sweep <laughs> it back in and then you still have to go two to four again. It's kind of a pain, but this could work. I think that you have to be really careful because you need the deck to be doing stuff when Noyan Dar's not out. And that's yeah. a, that's what you'd have to figure out, I think. Is like because Noyan Dar with like cultivates and all Kodama's reach, that sounds great. Because yeah. I'm getting more lands into play and the thing that's putting more lands into play is making my lands into huge creatures. And it also has the cards that like sort of turn all lands into creatures mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. You know, those classic combos with Elish Norn, which basically turns all lands into creatures and that kills all your opponent's lands and yours are all pumped up. You know, that kind of stuff you could do with green and white. I, I'm just not sure off the top of my head what that commander is. It sounds like it's a decent idea if you can figure out what does that deck do when the commander's not out? How do I have other cards right. in that deck that simulate something similar to what Noyandar does, which is make my cards like Cultivate and Kodama's Reach and my Instants and Sorceries mm-hmm. do something? Yeah, at that point, you're making a Bant deck. Um, yeah. You get to play Dryad Arbor, though, which is awesome. It's a creature yeah. creature land. Um, I'm trying to think what else you could do. I mean, what kind of commander would run that deck? Because if it's like, what, maybe you made it a, a not a Voltron deck with Rafik, but a big swing, or like a, a, a Shu Yun deck. That's but, oh, Jeskai. that's Jeskai. Mm. Mm. It's you've tough. got Rune, you've got Derevi, you've got, um, and Rafik is, Rafik, is, yep. is Bant. Um, you have Angus, I believe, is also Bant, Mackenzie. Angus, that doesn't seem great. Doesn't seem like something you really want to be doing. Like, what are any of those doing when Noyandar's not out? I, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I'd love to see what you come up with, though. Please let us know. Um, it would be really interesting to see what sort of the the win condition of that deck is and how it operates. But let us know. Yeah, send us a uh, send us an email or or a tweet or whatever. If it's literally just find this one specific card and then do stuff, it's not going to be very good. Yeah, if it's, it's going to be tough to if play. If it's find one of these slew of cards, then it's going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, next question is from Tom Bigwood. You know how some people just love putting Cyclonic Rift in every one of their blue decks or Sun Titan in every one of their white decks? Do you guys have cards that you find yourselves shoehorning into every deck of a certain color? I put Chaos Warp in almost every one of my decks that has red. Yeah, unless I have, I have Orzhov, in which case I'll just run Other yeah. End or Anguish I'm Making or Vindicate, but yeah. Um, Fate Stitcher, my blue decks, it's almost all of them. Uh, Ristic Study in every single blue deck. Oh, yeah, Ristic Study. Um, 
I found myself putting Worm Coil Engine in any deck that has any amount of... You can get a creature back at some point. Recursion, yeah. Uh, Vidalcan Orrery. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Vidalcan Orrery. I started putting that on like literal everything. Yeah, a lot of my blue decks have Leyline of Anticipation as well to give stuff flash. Um, I'm beginning to think that that is like ubiquitous to the point of like Vidalcan Orrery or or its equivalent mm -hmm. should go in everything. It's It's all so good. It just allows you to, yeah, we talked about it. To choose where you're sitting at the table, which yeah. sometimes is very, very strong. Um, sometimes I'd say it's always strong. Sorry, always strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, green, green, green sun zenith. I don't put that in every deck. Burgeoning is going in more and more decks. Yeah, because I have so much card draw. It's such a it's such a point of um, emphasis for all the decks that I build. Um, so, burgeoning, burgeoning makes a lot of sense. Very, very good when you're drawing a lot of cards, and I don't usually build decks where I'm not drawing a lot of cards. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, I want to say cards like Court of Calling, but it's very green-specific, so it's hard uh, if you're not a creature-based deck, but just have green for some other reason or effect. Yeah. Um, Those are the ones. I don't know if we're making any big waves here. Like, are we being surprising? Well, Path Path to Exile, Swords to Plowshares, one or the other always goes into a white deck. True. I'd say, yeah. Very hard to cut. 90% of my decks have, yeah. if they have white, have one of those or both. Uh, in red, usually Blood Moon goes into a lot of those <laughs> decks as well. Uh, no, I don't have a Blood Moon in a single deck. Oh, that's too bad. Do you, have uh, you read that card? Actually, I don't think that's true. I think I have one in like Joyra or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Two color. Yeah. Um, Good question. Yeah, cool question. Wait, before we move on. You gotta practice. Uh, if you guys saw that, I <laughs> tossed it and it bounced back into it's my like hand. Like when you throw the paper airplane, Ugh. you know, it just comes right back. It just comes right back. Yeah, yeah, here you yeah. you can do it. That's good. That's good. I tried really hard to make sure it got back there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On to question number six. This one's from John Cressel. What would you say are some good commanders to get people into the game, especially people who have never played? What would be some easier commanders that they could use that would help them to introduce them to the game mechanics while still being somewhat competitive so they're not blown out by the more complicated strategies? Well, here's the thing I would say. Don't teach the game with commander. Yeah, uh, it's one of the worst ways to, to reintroduce someone to magic. I mean, he's saying or particularly new players. Yeah, Ooh-wee. Listen, I think it is the worst way. Yeah. Because what... Well, no, like legacy or vintage. No, even then, at least it's one-on-one. Yeah, that's true. Like the board state you have to keep track of on Commander is so much more complicated. We've played with like pro players. These are people that play at the highest level of Magic and so many of the cards are like, wait, what's that too? What's that too? What's out? Like they don't play with these cards because the card pool in Legacy is actually not as big as it looks because you can't actually play anything that costs more than like four mana. Yeah. So just X out all the, not all of them, but a large percentage are just off the table as like not even playable. In our format, not only are there five or six different decks they also, the amount of cards they could possibly play is huge. So, so many. It's just really, I think it's not a good idea for new players to enter the game through Commander. Now, people who have played Magic and are sort of coming back or getting reacquainted, that's fine because they understand basically how it goes. But I don't yep. think this is what John's asking. I would, if you, if it was someone that kind of knew what they were doing, I would give them like a Voltron deck that was like Sigarda, right? Two colors, pretty simple, put equipment on, swing. Um, and then I would play one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one for sure. I mean, the best thing is to get those starter decks for brand new players, those ones you can get for free. I, uh-huh. don't, I forget what they're called, but they're like new player decks. Or just build them, monocolor decks. They're very simple without yeah. instance. Um, you know, we did a Teaching Magic episode. I think it was like one of our first 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go back and look at that, John, it'll give a good like 
account of like the the best way to get somebody into magic without overwhelming them to the point where they're not interested. Because I think that's the problem with Commander. If you if they enter that way, they're going to look around at some point and be like, this game's crazy. I'm never going to get this. And they're just going to lose interest. Yeah, there's too much stuff going on. Uh, and also, I recommend if you teach someone how to play magic, I just did this a week and a half ago. Oh, yeah. Start with just lands and creatures, and then add in sorceries, and then add in enchantments, and then, you know, like, Instance piece by and piece. Are last. Last, absolutely last, They're yeah. the most complicated, because you can choose when to play them, where it's much easier to be like, okay, and now you can play creatures if you want to, and after that, you can't anymore, so then mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's more step-by-step. Step. Yep. Uh, good question, though. Next up, we have a question from Justice Hughes. I'm uh, new to EDH, I've only been playing a couple months, started out with a pre-construct and wanted to start building my own decks, and I haven't had a whole lot of success so far. They've been inconsistent or they just haven't worked the way I wanted them to. So my question is, are there any color combinations or archetypes that you recommend for new EDH deck builders? This is tough. Simic. Simic, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I was like, well, it depends on what you like to do, but Simic is a really good starting point, I think. Listen... Build Simic and start with 10 cards that ramp you and 10 cards that draw you cards. Just start right there. They don't even need to synergize with your commander. they don't have to be... Like, we always talk about, like, this commander wants your ramp to be creatures, and this one wants... Don't don't even worry about that when you're first, like, learning to brew. Just make sure you cover those bases. You'll learn later the nuances of, like, oh, this one wants artifact ramp, or this one wants this specific kind of ramp. Mm -hmm. But at first, if you start in Simic, you'll have so many options for those two categories, and that's going to make your deck that inconsistent part, that's going to ratchet up that. So you're going to draw enough cards and have enough mana to do stuff. So that's just naturally going to be a little bit better of a jumping off point. It's harder to do the same things in other colors. So starting off, I would say, you know, and you just put explosive vegetation and cultivate and voyaging satyr and like any of these things, it doesn't really matter, but just, and I guess if you're new and you don't understand what ramp and card dry is, we haven't covered these in a while. Well, ramp is defined as any card that gets you ahead on mana for your turn. So on turn four, if I play my fourth land, that's how much mana I should have. Any card that makes it so that on turn four, I maybe have five mana available or six Six. mana. Or on turn seven, I have eight or nine mana available. Those are ramp cards. So Gilded Lotus costs five mana and taps for three mana of any color. That ramps you because you play it on turn five, and then on turn six, you've got nine mana available rather than six mana. Yep, if you play a land that turn as well. Right. Um, the also the question about they've been inconsistent or just haven't worked the way I've wanted them to, I feel like this happens to a lot of newer deck builders is because you have a grandiose idea or something that you can envision in your head, um, and it, oftentimes it just doesn't work that way in the game for any number of reasons. It's, it's not that your idea was bad or that it was wrong in any way. It just doesn't, it may not be the right kind of situation for that to specifically flourish. Um, it may be better 1v1. It may, you know, just reevaluate the ideas that you're wanting to, to do and also look up what other people have done. You know, look up EDH deck lists, look up, there was a tons of primers online for people that have, you know, this is how to build the correct Carador deck and they have a whole page on what they think about it and you know reading that stuff can really help sort of focus your mind and your how you want to build your deck in a way that makes you have more success down the down the road i would say too like this could be a problem of evaluating what it is that's not working and then tweaking because the process of Mm -hmm. building a deck is not just like i build it and now we're done and it's good it's more like i build it i try it i learn things from what I've learned, I make changes. Now I try it again. I learn more stuff. From that, I make more changes. And usually, my deck's not really humming until I've 
played it in some games like five, six, maybe ten times even, mm-hmm. depending on the deck. I mean, every once in a while, it's Mizzix, and the first build is just amazing. But 90% of the time, it's, you know, it's not. And I learn a lot. Like, oh, I have, I have too much of this. Like, my whole idea for the deck was this one thing. Mm-hmm. Like, my Tim deck. My whole idea was, you know, have Tims and they ping people, and sometimes I put death touch on them and now that kills creatures or sometimes i put stuff that makes them steal it or when they ping i draw cards and what i learned the first time i played that was like oh i have way too many tims i put like (laughs) 15 in there i don't that many yeah i don't need them because once i have two out i'm good so i never want to have five out that doesn't do anything more than two yeah you just deal a little more damage or whatever yeah but identifying that as an issue allowed me to go back and be like okay well let's take five or six of them out and it feels weird because it's called the tim deck yeah but that's actually the correct way to build that deck. And now the deck's way better. And, of course, I had to do that again. And then I, I played it again. I go, oh, this is a problem. Yeah. When you play games, write down or make mental notes of what didn't work and why it didn't work. Sometimes it could just be bad timing or you got countered. Other times it could be like, well, this just doesn't seem to be as effective as I thought it would be. And it's okay to toss those ideas aside or refine them. A good rule of thumb is if I'm looking at my hand and there's cards in my hand that don't seem like they're going to do much, and, it, and that's because of my own deck, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. Because if I'm like looking at a Tim, I've already got three Tims. It's not like somebody else, like if you're looking at your hand and you're like, well, this is bad because of something that other player did. Eh, that may or may not be bad. But if this is bad because of the way my deck's set up, something definitely to look at and, t- and tweak. Yep. All right. Uh, Jackson Wong. My brother. For versatility and for efficiency, name your one go-to card for card draw and for mana ramp. Uh, I've said this one a bunch. Hedron Archive is, is my new favorite for both. Oh, it's got covers ramp. both Covers bases. both, yeah. It's, it's my one go-to. Oh, does he mean one go-to for both those things combined or one for oh. card draw and one for mana ramp? Well, in that case, that's the third category, card draw and mana ramp. Um, versatility and for efficiency, though. I think Ristic Study... Has number to one be for number me. one, yeah, for card draw. It's just three mana, and it and it you don't have to do anything except for say, did you pay one for that? Did you yeah. pay one for that? Um, and then mana ramp, my one go to card for mana. It's probably burgeoning. Really, that's a it's great. It's becoming. Yeah, I mean, and those are color specific, so it's not. But it's one mana. Yeah, and yeah, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of mana vault. Oh yeah, it's mana a little more expensive because it's an older card, but yeah, it it get it's one mana for three, just boop. And then, you know, you have to pay more to cast, to untap it later, but you don't usually need to. Yeah, true. The one turn you play it is the is like, you got to play Ugin on turn five or whatever, or four, and that's powerful. Very uh, powerful. Jackson actually has a second question. But you only get one prize pack thingy, Jackson. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy, Jackson. All right, Jackson's next question is... Who first came up with the name Command Cast? Well, it's actually the Command Zone. But we call ourselves Command Cast on Tapped Out on Twitter. It's Twitter that came up with it. Yeah, Twitter. Because there was, the Command Zone was taken, Command Zone, I think Command Zone Podcast was even? I don't even know. I, I know we, thought, we thought Command Zone Podcast was just too, too long. Too long, yeah. And you want to be able to tweet at someone and you know, if have you enough characters. If you use all 140 characters on their name, <laughs> you can't say anything to them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Command- I think you kind of came up with Command Cast. I don't know. On Twitter at... Yeah. No, I'm not very... Tw- it had to be you. I, I barely even knew how to create a Twitter account. I mean, we were probably just tossing around a bunch of ideas, and Command Cast is one that we were like, oh, that, I like that. Like That that sounds good. We um, also knew whatever it was, we were going to have to use it for our email, for our tapped out, for everything else. So we wanted to roll off the tongue, and yeah. we wanted it to be as 
you know, as short as possible, even though it's not. We thought about doing like CMD cast. Like, oh, right. Yeah. But yeah. we just thought, uh, how do you say it? You're going to have to explain it every time you say Smid-cast. it. Smid cast. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, and tweet at us at CMD cast. And it's like, wait, why? Uh, That's weird. No one will remember that. Although yeah. we, get, I'm, we get tweeted out a lot to um, Command Zone. Which yeah. is a Twitter account that is not ours, and, and it's not, not even active. I don't think. Either. I know we've tried to take it over. We even offered to buy it from them. They never answered because they don't use Twitter. <laughs> We're gonna ask one more time. Hey guys, or girls, or mindless or robots from another planet. Would you like to sell at Command Zone or the Command Zone? Whoever, let us know. Send us an email. Oh, at you're talking com- to them right now, like they're watching. Yeah, the show? yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Did they not watch the show? No, oh. I mean that's great. They, they probably do. They probably do. Please. Send us an children's. email to commandcast at rocketjump.com because we're going to change that up if you sell us your account. Yeah, would we even change it now? We've got like 6,000 Twitter followers. We would set a forwarding up. Yeah, there you go. So email you, forwarding. Yeah. Yeah. But that would still probably be the main one. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, pro- it's unlikely to come up. If anyone knows those people, please let us know so that we can let them know. So we will know. So we what can we make know, a deal. What they let's, know. let's make a deal. What I thought they knew. All right, this next question is uh, sort of related from David Doyle. How did you decide to start a podcast? How did we decide to start this podcast? It was not in this office, but it was in an office. It was in Rocket Jump's old office. Old office, yeah, which is right nearby. We used to, um, well, we played a lot of Commander and we draft a lot. This was, I mean, we didn't even draft that much. Or at least I didn't when we first started. I think I drafted like three or four times before we started the podcast. Yeah, I think what happened is... Oh, you know, I did more conspiracy drafts, actually. Because yeah, we did I think we were deal. drafting. We were starting to sort of ramp up our drafting. And as a result, we started listening to limited resources. Right. And then we were also... That's right. And we were also playing Commander. And so we were both like, man, limited resources. Did you listen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we were like, what's the Commander show that's like limited resources? Because I, we're also playing Commander and I need that. Yeah. And... You know, we we're like, I don't know, and I don't know. And we asked other people, and they're like, there isn't one. And I was like, I've been playing this game for like five months. I'm good enough to talk to people about it. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> I'm a prodigy. We were nope. like, listen, because we were in the rocket ship offices, and we looked around, and we we're like, well, we have microphones. Yeah, we got microphones here. Oh, actually, it was more, I have equipment. I can record this. Yeah. And oh, yeah, because you have it at, ho- yeah, at home for I, all the know, music stuff. I have all my music stuff. And I um, was like, we have the means. Like, we have a server that we can put stuff on. Mm-hmm. We know how to, like, upload stuff to the internet. Yeah, like, we can We, we can, can create a logo. Rocket Jump at the time was also doing podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so there was a, a, a more than one precedent sort of, like, be like, hey, I think we could... Do you want to do a podcast? Like, I wonder how many sh- uh, podcasts, by the way, Limited Resources has started. Oh, it's it's got to be a huge percentage of yeah. them. Like, of people just going, like, yeah, and there's not that for this you know, uh-huh. there's not the modern equivalent of limited resources. Yeah. So that's how Masters of Modern came to be. Really, kinda really. For I them, mean, it was like, where is the, no, where is this? No, Masters of Modern exists because Alex came on as our guest for two shows, and oh, he right. loved doing it so much that he was like, "I need my own podcast because I like talking about magic." Go figure. Go figure. And yeah, he was yeah, and he was like, "Well, how does it all work?" And we talked, and he was like, "You know." I want to do it. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I know Glenn Jones. And I was like, well, that seems like a slam dunk. <laughs> Let's do that. All right. Well, yeah, hit, hit, hit it. Let's go. So that is how we started. It's basically all because of Marshall Sutcliffe and I think it was Brian Wong at the time. Yep. Uh, if you guys are hearing this now, tweet at Marshall. Tell him that we are forever grateful. And he created a monster. Yeah. Ah. A drafting monster is what he created. What? 
I was like, I would be driving in my car at like coming back from something at like 2 a.m. or something, or like, yeah, at like 10 p.m., like rushing to make it to a midnight pre release, like listening to the to the podcast on double time. Yeah, no, 1.5, I think, at, at that time. I tried double time and that was just, I, I can't keep up. Yeah. I couldn't drive and do it at the same time <laughs> because I was trying Dangerous. to like ah, focus too hard on what they were saying, but yeah, 1.5 time. Um, and it was nice. It everyone sounded a little weirder, but I was like, I gotta get this in, and I was so obsessed. I'm still obsessed. I was gonna say it just sounds like like when Eldritch Moons came out. Now 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 look at you now. You get invited to the like pre pre release and you play against people like Marshall. Yeah yeah. It's I actually crazy. know him in real life now. Kind of crazy. Yeah, it's funny when uh uh my friend D Daniel. He's the one that was another yeah, when we was, first started playing. He's like, yeah. oh, I play Commander. Yeah, let's play Commander. So I played Commander with him for the first time. Was with him and a couple of his friends. Uh, and I remember him being like, dude, in like a year you went from don't play magic at all to you became Mr. Magic. And I thought that was just the funniest name. I was like, I am Mr. Magic. It's funny to think that was a while ago now. It was a, it was a couple of years ago now. Yeah. It's two years, I think. Wow. Cause we started in. It's almost exactly two years. Summer. Yeah. And we actually had recorded like eight episodes in the bag before we start. People don't know, but we. Oh, that's right. What we did is we recorded a few because we knew that we were sort of like still figuring out how to do it and it was going to uh-huh. take longer at first. And so we recorded like the first, I think, six episodes mm-hmm. before we released the first one. And then we, that gave us a little bit extra leeway. And Marshall was actually on like our seventh, eighth, ninth episode. I think something. it was our eighth episode. We were in Seattle, uh, or I was in you Seattle uh, for PAX. Oh, so yeah. it would definitely, yeah, we definitely passed our two-year anniversary then. Yeah. Wow. 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 Oh, that's a good time to hang it up then, huh? I guess so. To the listeners, Thank what? you so much for listening to the Command Zone for these past two years. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how to the listeners works. Oh, you're right. Um, it was to the listeners, though. That's true. It's from, from his heart to the listeners. Yeah. From our heart. Thank you for listening for the past two years. Thank you. Uh, but the real to the listeners question that we want to hear from you answers back on Twitter is, what is your one go-to card for Mana Ramp and card draw? Yeah, it could be the same card, or it could be two different cards. But yeah, I like that question a lot. Um, so please, let us know what you think about this question, and, and if you have an answer. And please, visit cardkingdom.com. Use the affiliate link slash command zone order all your Conspiracy 2 product, and let us get credit for it with our sponsor. <laughs> We're going to take credit for everything that you do from now on, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's related to Card Kingdom. But hey, that one card that you're talking about in the To The Listener section could be that card that you buy from cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Hey, one of mine was burgeoning. That's in the set. Yeah, it's in Conspiracy. Sweet. That card used to cost a lot. It will not cost as much anymore. Look what happened to Exploration mm-hmm. after the first Conspiracy, mm-hmm. and that card is awesome for Commander as well. Burgeoning's um, better. Burgeoning's better, which By is great. Margin. I, I like that we're ramping that up. Yep. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. You know what's cool, Jimmy? What? That I'm in Europe right now. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's not. And that's actually like we recorded this like two weeks ago, but I'm currently in Europe. So there. We're in Europe right now. No, I, not we. Why, why am I in Europe right now? You're not in Europe. I'm no, in no, Europe. No, 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 we're at the Rocket Jump offices. What are you talking about? I know it's confusing because we're in that time warp thing that happens when we record uh, episodes. Uh, where in Europe are you right now? I think right now I'm in Copenhagen. Copenhagen, Denmark. Woo! Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? 
probably eating, or maybe I'm at like Tivoli, which is their big theme park. I could be looking Wait, at they some have a castles. Theme? What, what's the theme park? I, it's called Tivoli. It's like their big, I think it's like the second biggest, I might get the ranking wrong, but it's one of the big theme parks in Europe after cool. like, you know. What do they have there? Uh, they have some beautiful gardens. They have roller coasters and stuff, I think. I really gardens, don't, that's cool. I really don't know, but I could be looking at some castles or... Eating really good food. Copenhagen's known for their food. One of the reasons that we're going there, the like the restaurant I think that was voted like the number one restaurant in the world like four years running is there. It's called Noma. Yeah. By the way, I could not get reservations. I'm incredibly upset about that. I mean, you probably would have to have asked a year ago. A year ago, yeah. And we planned the trip like three weeks ago. So <laughs> that's how we. You roll. mean five weeks ago at this point? Uh, yeah, five weeks ago. Dang Maybe it. six weeks ago. I forgot about the time. Are work. you sure you're not still at Rocket Jump? If I walk out that door, will they serve me water when I go to a restaurant? For free? I, I don't know. Because that's a distinctly American thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm confused about where everybody is. I think we're in the upside down. Oh, hey, speaking of which, Josh's past two t-shirts, if you guys didn't know this. Oh, man, I was going to hope they just noticed on their own. Okay. Well, I mean, like, it's the end of the second episode, and you don't have another one after this, right? I needed the third one. I'm really disappointed in myself. Does anyone know where my shirt's from? Let me know. I think it's Scott Pilgrim. Uh, nope. <laughs> but if you notice in the Scott Pilgrim movie, just look at his t-shirts if you haven't noticed. Yeah, yeah, his t-shirts are great. <laughs> All right, well, that was a lot of rambling. Okay. Should we move we, on? We tried to make this episode, we're trying to stretch it to make it like equal to the length of our normal episodes. So this you, is a little bit of a filler because I'm gone in Europe right now. How about that weather in Europe? How is it? I think it's cold. I'm going to Iceland next. It's going to be even colder. But is it cold in Iceland in the summer? It's just, it's only it's cold. It's called Iceland, I mean, but it doesn't mean it's icy all the time. I mean, that's the story between Iceland and Greenland, right? They flip the names of them so that they trick people. Oh. Because Greenland's actually very icy, and Iceland's kind of more green, even huh. though they're both north and they're cold. Anyway, um, then we'll I'll be in Seattle for PAX, so I'll see you pretty PAX. soon. PAX. Oh, see you in like boy. A week. The end step, where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic, we're going to be in PAX this year. Uh, we have not decided whether or not, as, as of the recording of this episode, we might be having some kind of meetup. If not, you can definitely find Josh and I. We're going to be around the magic area very frequently uh we're going to be we're going to be doing stuff with watsi so yeah with Jimmy more than me but I, actually I'm, I'm just sort of at the beginning and end of it you're uh you're going to definitely be throughout the bulk of it more during the middle which is nice. i have no idea what i'm supposed to be doing they sent me a bunch of emails i need to read those yeah well you got to get back from europe first that's right you're uh, landing from europe straight to seattle no the, the jet lag will be real but josh is going to be there i'm going to bring some commander decks uh you're going to bring a few as well you're going to bring mine yeah i'm going to bring yours <laughs> uh but it's going to be a blast i really can't wait Pax. My favorite convention of the year. And uh, the nice thing about PAX 2 is they have one in Boston. They have one in, I think, somewhere in Texas. But they have PAX South, East, and Prime. And they even have a PAX Australia coming We're going up, to I PAX think. Prime? Yeah, it's PAX Prime. Autobots roll out. Roll out. It's PAX Prime. Uh, yeah, because uh, Penny Arcade was based out of Seattle originally. They gotcha. used to have it at the hotel right by the um, airport. And had I known growing up, I would have gone to PAX every year because it was. I always saw it come up and I was like, man, whatever. But had I known. Had you known. Well, this is my know. first time, so I'm very excited. Yeah, it's super, super exciting. Hope to see some of y'all there. There, If not, uh, hope to see y'all sometime. Down the road, someday. Yeah, down the road. Down the road, someday. <laughs> Somewhere over the rainbow. That's, that's awesome. We shall meet. Are we still going? Somewhere. I don't know. Probably not. We should probably um, end the podcast, huh? Yep. Segway Man failed me on this one, Ew. but you should check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic, 
Follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find them on rocketjump.com right next to us under the podcast tab. They've also started doing video like us. Ooh. Well, not exactly like us. Their own take on video. <laughs> they not, have cards not, popping up. I, I doubt they have three cameras like this, but they have, they show the cards and stuff. What so. if you just popped over and like, hey, let's check out the new vid, and it's just like high production value. They got like dollies and cranes, <laughs> you know. They got like makeup people coming in, and they got, yeah. you know, knowing Bateman, that could, that's definitely possible. They, yeah. I heard they're going to like build a set and stuff at some point, and he does oh. that stuff for a living, so cool. it's totally possible. Yeah, he does a lot of other podcasting and We're stuff. We're going to have so. our work cut out for us keeping up with those guys. We got to build a set out. We'll do something. The Masters of Modern. Check them out. Yep. Uh, and you guys can find us online. Thank you to Terry Robertson, who edits the show Good and job, who Terry. makes our video versions of it, which uh, for these episodes have three cameras. Woo, woo, woo. Look at all of them. Actually, you can't see me looking into that one. Um, but yeah, it's a great. Oh, hey. Oh. Hey. <laughs> It's a much more uh, inclusive way to watch the show. You get to see our faces. Sometimes we do little silly things. You can see like our reactions to stuff too. Sometimes I'm just zoning out, looking at the outline. Other times I'm like, sometimes a spider comes in. That was great. Mine is ter- actually it was terrifying, but it was great that it worked out like that. So I was pretty <laughs> happy about that. Um, yeah. So you can check that out. Thank you, Terry. Go to YouTube.com/slash The Command Zone Podcast. And very big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations. Like, we have this awesome soul ring intro. Welcome to the command zone. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. You should throw three up for three cameras. How do you throw three up? I've only got two hands. Peace. Well, oh, three you throw fingers. Th- not three hands. <laughs> we'll throw three. Throw up three fingers. Yo, Here, peace. What's up? We yeah. did fake three. Timmy, no, you gotta do both your hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yo, what's up? Peace. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. 
We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.